Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bloody Bloody Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. We are going to be looking back at the month of March uh, 2020, which was a crazy month. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is the man from across the pond, the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson. How you doing, John? I am doing all right, sir. Uh, how about yourself? Not so bad, thank you. Um, disclaimer, I've got hay fever, so I hope nobody can hear it in my nasally voice. But um, March has been a, a strange month. We're movie fans, we're movie critics, we're movie brothers. But all the cinemas are closed, all the theatres are closed. So it's been a it's been a struggle for us, but uh, the main thing is everybody is staying home, hopefully, and staying safe and well. So I know I am, but how about yourself, man? Are you doing well? Yep, staying home uh, mostly. I did have to go to the grocery store, but I wore a mask as advised by the CDC today. Uh, well, a bandana with uh, hair ties t- uh, around my ears to make it, it stay. But um, yeah, you know, anything to uh, pre- prevent that contamination. Um, so as far as this podcast goes, listener, um, we usually look back at the month just past, and we we have selected four major releases, and we just squeaked them out before the theaters closed. Uh, so this was a harder month to do. Uh, we'll talk at the end of this episode what we're going to try to do for April, since everywhere is shut down um, all across the world, basically. So theatrical releases are not a thing uh, in the official sense. Um, so we're going to be doing something a little special for the uh, April episode that will come out in May, because it's always the month just passed. Um, but for this March episode, uh, we're going to get into reviews of the what we've deemed as the big four releases we might have missed one or two because of the shutdowns um and of course the biggest release this month that we missed is the quiet place too because it got postponed um and that's sad it's amazing to think what these shows could have been in the next month or two or however long this um lockdown is going to be going on for some of the films which have been postponed and pushed back to next year or or moved back to the end of the year the bamp from what we thought it was going to be to what it's going to be looks an awful lot different. And some of the films which have been pushed back are they're big. And I get what I get why they've been pushed back. I'm not one to sit here and bash my fists on a table. You know, why are you pushing it back? Blah, blah. It's obvious why they, you know, it's, it's for the best for it. It's best for everybody. But I, you know, obviously I feel like a quiet place too. I was pumped for that film, but we're still going to get it. Hopefully in the theater. That's the, that's the big yeah. goal for me. Yeah, that's a film I haven't seen a quiet place in the theatre and being some there's been a strange it's most one of the strangest cinema experiences I've ever had. Uh, to be able to see it again in the theatre, absolutely. I love seeing films at home. You know, this is this is gonna be novel, especially next month, watching certain films at home. But give me the give me the experience of going into the theatre any day, especially for a film like A Quiet Place Two, or the big blockbusters like Wonder Woman and all that which have been moved back or potentially gonna be and Black Widow which have been moved back. So theatre number one, but 
if I have to watch certain ones on TV, I can I can handle that as long as we get our films, hey. Right, exactly. As long as as long as we get to see something, um, it's I will work with whatever that might be. Um, I just like movies, guys. I like them a lot. Which is good for this show. Otherwise, it'd be a strange conversation. Yeah, it would be a little awkward at times, but you know, we make it work. Um, Should we talk movies, John? Nope. Excellent. Right. <laughs> it, would be, it would be short. It's like thank you for that. Then. Um, uh, all right. Well, then let's get into our first movie, Matt. What's the first film we're going to be talking about? The first film is one of the first films that actually come out last month. It was Pixar's Onward, which I believe is now dropped or is about to drop on VOD, one of the first big films to actually do so. It was directed by Dan Scanlon, cast what, voice actors Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, Julia Lewis-Dreyfus and Octavia Spencer, Rotten Tomatoes 88%, Metacritic 61%. It tells the story of two teenage brothers, two teenage elf brothers, who are set the mission of discovering whether there's still a small amount of magic left in a world that's long forgotten. Magic is existence or its necessity. Um, and if they succeed, they'll be reunited with their late father one more time. So it sounds kind of like hitting certain beats for Pixar. Maybe so, but something that Pixar does is they do these kind of films well. And onward, they did this just as well. Uh, I'm going to start off by saying... This isn't for me. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like one of the top five Pixar films of all time. That would be a, that's a huge barrier barrier to try and get into, even the top ten. But a film like Onward is still a lot better than most other studios releases, just simply because of the Pixar sheen. And I'm not going to give any spoilers, as we do on the band. We don't give spoilers, so you're not going to get anything like that. Just a just an opinion. But so I thought that uh, Onward was was charming. I thought it was a, a touching movie. Uh, it's uh, Ian Lightfoot and Barley Lightfoot, their brothers, Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. Yes, they're brothers, believe it or not. And the two of them together, how they how they work together reminds me of how Tom Holland and Chris Pratt probably would work together if they if they had to, if they had to the camaraderie and their relationship was fun. And um, it's with them that the story lies. It's the the the, the late father is a big part of the film. But the film itself was more about the brothers, I think. That's where the story lies. It's a tribute to brotherhood. You know, the siblings who are a pain in the backside. But they're always there for you. And this is what this film's all about. And it gets you to that big emotional ending that Pixar does so very well. When I, yes, I was bawling my eyes out whilst I was watching this. Um, it's funny. I thought it wasn't the funniest of Pixar films. But there's uh, the jokes that are in it at work. There's an awful lot of heart. It's a very warm film. It's a bit macabre at times, you know. Some of the stuff with the with the father is a bit odd. I like the sort of mystical element of it, but um, it's not going to rip you to pieces like Coco or Up. But it got me in the feels right at the end. You know, it got me, but and it gave me everything I wanted from a Pixar film. The visuals are great. The story was wasn't the strongest, but I still it was engaging enough. The voice acting, as you expect, was fabulous. And it's everything you expect from a Pixar film for me. So whether or not it was top 10 or not, that's irrelevant. The fact is, Pixar have dropped another very, very decent film and onward. So for a film I wasn't expecting much from, I had a great time, man. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And I, I actually was, I got, um, I realized something about myself as a film critic uh, mm -hmm. is I, I'm not a contrarian. But if I feel like there is too much 
feedback in a way that I think is undeserving, I will become a champion for something or a, an opponent to something. Like with Joker, when I saw Joker, I was probably in the middle. And then I kept hearing people calling it like the best movie ever. And I was like, no, 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 no. And I like took a really firm stance fighting that point of view. So my it sounds like I hated the movie if you hear me talk about it now, when in fact I just thought it was fine. Um, for Onward, I really, really liked it. And I kept hearing people calling it middling Pixar. And I'm like, okay, first of all, middling Pixar is better than most films. Exactly. Like, I mean, Pixar movies are, are exceptional across the board. Like there are a few Pixar films that we would like really think of as not good, right? Like the Cars 2, the the two plain spinoff movies from the Cars are like arguably the worst of the Pixar you know, movies. Yeah. I've never seen a, the good, a good dinosaur, and I've never seen Bugs Life. Those are the only two Pixar films, that, and the and then the I didn't see actually Cars two or the two Planes movies. To be honest, those are like I think the only Pixar films I've not seen. I'm a big fan of Pixar. Toy Story one, two, three, and four are in my top fifty movies like all time. I love that franchise. I love them like excessively, and I love Inside Out. I love Coco. Uh, I mean, Pixar has hit so many emotions for me and so many things just perfectly. Um, I, I wasn't excited about Onward going in and um, I loved, I loved it. a lot of it. I don't think, I can't think of anything in particular I thought was bad or disconnected. I felt very into it. I enjoyed um, the, the D and D kind of vibe to it. Uh, you know, there, cause you don't have like a fantasy story like this. I, I like their idea of technology kind of removing the magic of life and even like that it makes things so um, easy that you know, it life has become kind of mundane and boring as a result. And I think that has some truth to it, you know, um, not inherently, but I do think that sometimes if things are challenging or too difficult, we won't do them, you know? And I think that there's a message there with the movie, but then there's also, you know, obviously the, the family stuff, which really clicked for me, all of it, uh, all of the family stuff really, really hit for me. Um, and like you said, the voice cast, I mean, um, I, one one criticism I saw really irritated me that they they said Chris Pratt's character sounded so much like Jack Black that it was like they actually criticized the film for not just casting Jack Black, and I'm like, are you are you kidding? I like, never once thought that at all, and I genuinely mean that. I never once thought hmm, that sounds like Jack Black. Now I totally could see Jack Black doing that that Big Brother type of role because he's got. There's actually a video game. I don't even remember what it was called, but it was like. It was like a uh, rock and roll guy um, and you'd run around and like hack and slash stuff. And Jack Black was the voice actor. And like, it was like a metal guy. I can't even think of what it was called, but it was very much like Dante's Inferno, God of War style gameplay, but with like a metal guitar player. And he was voiced by Jack Black. Like I totally got that vibe from this character, but I thought Chris Pratt did an excellent job. I, I didn't think, Oh, it should be Jack Black. I'm like, even if, if this is his Jack Black impression, he's nailing it is not a criticism, you know? So I feel like some people just set out to hate this film or at least, you know, it's, oh, it's not Toy Story 3 or it's not um, Finding Nemo. It's like, okay, but that still doesn't make this movie bad just because it's not as good as some of the other Pixar's. If anything, it's just how impressive Pixar is that we hold them in such high regard. And I I found a lot of joy in this film. Um I did have a friend like last week uh, message me that he, he rented it and was just like um, derivative and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I totally disagree with everything you just said. And he's like, Oh, 
I'm like, yeah, it's okay though. Uh, you're welcome to have those thoughts. It's an opinion. I, it's an opinion. That's right. Yeah. Um. But but I totally I this movie clicked for me in big ways. Um. It's it's not my favorite of the year, but it's definitely in contention right now. As so many of the movies that I was looking forward to have been removed. Uh. From I don't know when we'll get to see them, kind of thing. Um. But it's definitely in my top three. I think for the year right now, like um that I've seen and um. You know, and that's I do think that says something. I've seen quite a few movies uh, up until this point. I haven't seen everything, and uh, normally I would be getting ready to head to Tribeca here in a week or two, and that's not going to get to happen. Although, um, I do I am most likely going to be getting uh, they're doing some digital movie releases this month for Tribeca as a a way of kind of you know not losing the whole festival vibe um, this month or not being forgotten or whatever the case might be. So, given the creators their platform. But I still like um, as of now, I think Onward is one of the best entries in 2020 um, and it be, it might win by default if things don't, you know, <laughs> open up. So <laughs> you might be right, mate. I think with in terms of your what you're saying about best films of the year at this rate is going to be the best film of the year because there's nothing else coming out. But I, I agree with your point. I mean, everybody knows it, but it's still pertinent to make that Pixar manages to cram so many deep human messages into their films which on surface level look like a kid's film about two blue guys who look like elves but there's so much more to it and they've done it in every single film even to an extent not the ones that aren't good um and we've got soul which is meant to be coming out in a few months time which looks looks like it's going to be another knockout and I mean, the obvious answer here would be MCU but I mean for a studio how many other studios put out consistently hit after hit and i'm not even necessarily just talking about how much money they make i'm talking about critically and just the quality of film pixar consistently bashed them out man yeah and i I think critically i think pixar is probably higher than marvel i think marvel has some critical acclaim um especially for comic book movies but i think overall pixar is um definitely higher i would say consistently i mean uh, there are some duds for critics, and there have been a few duds. Like the Good Dinosaur didn't get the push; it even got a weird release date. If I remember, they put that in like November or something. Yeah, it was yeah. Um, you know, which is not the the normal Pixar blockbuster s- schedule kind of thing. And that's the thing. Um, they used to only do like one movie a year, and now they've upped it to I think they're trying to do two a year. And that is often a criticism. It's like, well, are you are you extending yourself past your your talent level, or are you actually have do, have you garnered such a, a in-house group of talent that they can split off and still make two amazing films a year or more and you know I, if onward is the bad of the two then wow i can't wait to see soul because soul looks really good Soul looks awesome and again the message is just from the trailer which we look we're gonna it looks like we're gonna get it, again it look it, a, a trailer's a trailer it could be the worst film of the year but it looks like it looks like it's gonna be another at least very good film. And like you said, and I said as well, you know, a very good Pixar film tops most other studios' best films. And uh, I mean, out of most franchises, I'd probably rather sit down and do a Pixar marathon than most other franchises because I know what I'm going to get from it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a I'm a definitive Pixar fan. And it's actually, I've been meaning to, now that I have Disney Plus, um, to sit and watch The Good Dinosaur and to watch... Um, bugs life just to, to finish off the the movies you know so i can truthfully rank the pixar films um i will probably still skip cars 2 in the uh the two planes movies but yeah i, I would if i were you you're not missing anything yeah 
I, I've seen Cars one and three. I actually like Cars three also. Um, I'm not. It's not high Pixar, but I thought it was functional and entertaining. Um, and it, they went back to the roots of the Cars movie because I think Cars is maybe underrated. I think it gets maybe a little tarnished because of the uh, the NASCAR and the Larry the Cable Guy elements of the movie. But yeah, no, I don't. I don't. I don't mind. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, good dinosaur and the, the planes films aren't great. The Cars franchise is never particularly. I've never really warmed to it, but I think the first one's okay. But other than that, I've never really been a big big fan of those. But um, they, they don't hold a candle to Onward. So, um, yeah, this could be the best picture winner for this year at this rate. But um, I wonder, if, looking at some of the other ones, it, it could be. Well, let's go to our second film of the month of March, which is Bloodshot, uh, directed by David S. F. Wilson, um, starring Vin Diesel, Isaac Gonzalez, Sam Hewen, Toby Kebbell and Guy Pierce, the uh, ooh, we were just talking about Guy Pierce on another podcast. Um, Whoa. and I proving my point by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, RT 29%, Meta 44. And first of all, um, this is a movie that suffers severely if you watch the trailer before seeing it because agreed, the trailer gives away what the movie seems to want to be a twist. And I was like watching the movie going, why are they acting like we don't know this? This is literally how they sold me to come see this movie. And it destroys any surprise, isn't it? Yeah, it was it was easily one of the worst marketing like blunders, in my opinion. Uh, not that it would save this movie. This movie is boring. Um, it, it's it's a lot. It's an action movie. And I like action movies. That's the thing. And uh, one, I think Vin Diesel might be getting a little old. Uh, like he's looking a little rough, especially with the love interest they try to throw in with him. I'm like, ah, I don't think so. Like, like um, Tom Cruise like um, syndrome, right? And then he's not he's not great with line reads. Like, like you need a director who can maybe coach him a little more. And I don't think you're getting that here. Um, everything he says sounds overly heightened and it doesn't, it doesn't fit. Cause like the other characters, it's a comic book movie. So let's not undersell that. So it's heightened makes sense to a degree, but the other characters, cause I'll tell you, um, Isaac Gonzalez, I first encountered with baby driver and then she was in something else, uh, that I saw that, that same year, I think, um, uh, she's in Alita battle angel kind of, um, uh, she, I don't, I think she's in like a super small scene in that movie. Yeah, uh, she's in, scene, yeah. Yeah, she's in Marwin, which was awful. Um, Godzilla versus Kong, which is supposed to come out this year. She was in uh, Hobson Shaw. Which I don't remember her in Hobson Shaw. She had a very small part in okay. that. Okay, so, um, I, you know, I, I, I liked her in Baby Driver. Uh, she's got some good line reads. I actually liked her a lot here. I think she's one of the highlights of this movie. I think um, she sells things that uh, otherwise I don't think would have worked at all. Um, I still don't think like her and diesel make any kind of sense together um it it's i i i dozed off at least twice and i it was a i went to a five o'clock screening so i don't feel like it i i mean i do get tired sometimes i i extend myself past a reasonable amount of time um i don't know if i said 29 rotten tomato or 44 metascore but clearly indeed, indeed nobody's really loving this right like this is not a movie that we wanted it to be we wanted it to be a fun comic booky action movie this is an interesting seeming character who's got these like nanobites in his body that um whenever he gets hurt or injured he comes back now that said there is one really cool action sequence that i liked a lot that was in a tunnel with flower everywhere um yes 
I don't know about the logistics of flour being transported in a giant, what looks like a gasoline semi truck. I don't know if that's actually how they transport flour. I've never thought to ask that before. I just assumed it was packaged ahead of time um, in like little bags. Like clinically, or whatever. It's sad. you'd think it would be because otherwise it's like touching the sides of a truck. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know how it works. So maybe that was possible. I probably not though, realistically, but. Um, there's some really cool visuals with with the nanobites, but ultimately the story is kind of ridiculous. Um, the, again, because we already know going in what the if you saw the trailer, you know going in what the twist is. There's the whole first twenty minutes feels like a waste of time because you're like, yeah, I already know. Let's like get to the thing you you spoiled in the trailer, um, and it it does feel like it takes a while to get there when if already knowing what's going to happen. So. Uh, bad job marketing team. Um, yeah, and Guy Pierce, I like Guy Pierce again. I think I I think he's a good actor, but especially with the twist, um, it's it's a little on the nose casting. The, the poor guy is, is getting typecast. Spoiler. Yeah, in in the worst ways. Um, but yeah, I I found it to be mostly boring. Um, there was a couple of good scenes, and Isaac Gonzalez I thought was really good. Also, I, I think to- Toby Kebbell is the other element of this movie that I liked. Um. Oh no, no, he is not. I take that back. Um, <laughs> Lamorne Lamor Morris, who I did not list, uh, but I really liked him when he shows up. But he's not in the movie very much. But um, not that Toby Kebbell was bad, mind you. I just he's not. He's also not in the movie very much. So it's just like okay, sure. Uh, there is a really cool use of um, the Talking Heads. Uh, oh, when I forget the name of it, um, the Psycho Song. Uh, yeah, yeah. How much you mean there? I can't think of what it's called, but um, Psycho. It's a fairly pivotal part of yeah. the, the story, that is it. Yeah, it's not a bad uh, little scene. It's not great. It's it's a little. It, it's it's not bad though. I, I I like the use of the song, um, which for some reason I cannot think of. Uh, but yeah, that I would say not not the best, uh, and definitely not the best Vin Diesel performance, which I think arguably is either going to be the Riddick movies or the the early Fast and Furious films before they get a little stupid. Um, still enjoyable but I, I find him harder to take each time I watch those movies. So, uh, Matt, what did you think of Bloodshot? Uh, that's what I thought of Bloodshot. Everything you've just said, basically, but a little less positive. I thought this was awful. I, I mean, I wasn't that pumped for it anyway. Because, I mean, the trailers start, The trailers came out not, I mean, not a million years before the film came out. So, I mean, that, that already rang alarm bells for me. I knew the film was being made, but you know, they dropped the trailer fairly late on. And, I mean, it should be... Uh, you know, the premise of the film should be quite fun, you know? It's very much, to me, it's like, it is like almost like kind of like Deadpool. Like something happens, guy gets brought back to life with superpowers. That's your, that's your film, Bloodshot, if you haven't read the comic books. And then there's... As he goes on his rampage, there's more than meets the eyes. You've mentioned with certain cast members in this film. Um, I thought it was messy. I honestly, generally thought the film was just a mess. It was. It was boring. It's an action film. It's a comic book film. Mix them together, and it's boring somehow. Yeah, I don't know how sense. exactly how they managed to do that. Um, the action in the film, I, I, the tunnel scene was 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 actually was part was decent actually, but. A lot of the time, they just relied far too much on slow mo, which we've mentioned on the show. You know, we're not a fan of when directors just overuse slow motion in fight scenes for whatever reason they want to. I thought there was far too much of that. Uh, I agree that the trailer just ruined any surprise 
in the movie. You've seen the trailer. You've seen the film. Um, Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel himself, Mark Sinclair, also known as Vin Diesel. He's fifty-two years old. Um, he does look a bit older than that sometimes, but fifty-two years old. So I guess if we're going to be, if we're looking at people like Sly Stallone and Arnie, he's still got another 10, 15 years, twenty years left to go yet, if, or if not more, before he can hang up his action gloves. But I, I have, I've never really been the biggest fan of Vin Diesel in yeah. in films. I'm not a fan of the Fast and Furious. I'm not a fan of his character in those films. He annoys me in those films fairly. Um, he might as well be that dom dominant in this film, as far as I'm concerned. It just it just feels too much like that character at times, and he seems to have become that guy. Uh, I see. I, I I agree about the connection with him and Isaac Gonzalez. There's like a 22 year age difference. Don't flame me. Obviously, I know people have age differences in real life, but um, Isaac Gonzalez is. Like really good friends with Vin Diesel's actual wife, so that must have been quite, uh, quite, quite, quite tough film with some of those scenes in this. But there wasn't much I took from this, which I liked. Psycho Killer was a Talking Heads song. That's it. I I like the fact that they use a song because I like the song. Right. That's pretty much the only thing I liked about that song being used in the film. It. I I I don't want to go into for too much because I don't want to seem like I'm just going to completely trash the film because I do enjoy doing that sometimes. But my main takeaway from this was, like I said, it's an action film. It's a comic book film. It's got Vin Diesel in, so you'd expect a certain level of action, a certain quality of action, and you don't get any of that in it. I just thought it was boring. I thought it was messy. Of course, I thought the dialogue was naff, and the trailer ruined the film. Like JB said, the marketing team should hang their heads in shame. Because they destroyed it. Toby Kebbell, Guy Pearce. I mean, I love Guy Pearce as an actor. I think he's been in some wonderful films and he's a great actor. But mm-hmm. he's becoming, uh, he's becoming the walking spoiler now. Like he's 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 John's uh, to me. What John Carroll Lynch is to John is uh, Guy Pearce. But I, I like the eyes of Gonzalez. I like her in most things. But there wasn't anything I really took away from this other than it was just a massively disappointing film. Yeah, with which uh, this was supposed to be starting a like a uh, extended universe as well. Yeah, and it does not look like that is going to happen because I mean, it, its numbers are definitely skewed partially because of the theater shutdowns. Yes, but no, I don't think so. I it didn't do well opening weekend. It I don't know how well it's doing on this free streaming thing. Probably okay, not I free streaming. Sorry, the twenty dollars. It but to be fair, it's like. It's a new thing. It was one of the first movies dropped that way. Some people are doing it out of sheer boredom. Um, and some people like only watching movies at home, which I don't get. I, I love going to the theater, even with the obnoxious people that I often encounter at the theater. Oh, but um, I def- I like watching it. I, I don't know. There's something like – I find it hard to sit in my chair at home and not get on my phone or get on my computer or – do other things while I'm watching movies and TV where at the theater, I have no issue shutting it down. You know, it, that is when you my pause, secret. Space. Then it's an issue. Right. For sure. Cause I'm going to get up and go to the bathroom seven times, which I I rarely leave the theater to use the restroom, you know, barring like I can't hold it anymore scenarios, but I, I tend to like hit the restroom right before the movie starts and wait till afterwards. In most cases home oh no i if i have to pee i'm getting up immediately and i'm pausing it but still those are interruptions you're taking yourself out of the 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 flow uh, the flow a director takes his time a good director takes his or her time to establish a mood and tone and you can break that by not being in it the whole time and 
I, 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 that's why I don't like watching movies in segments. Like, you know, some people will start a movie, go to bed, watch it the next day. Like, I hate doing that unless I've mm-hmm. seen the movie before. Um, because you're, you're just kicked out of it. And I mean, I have to teach that way because our classes are 90 minutes by the time I get them all in and take attendance. We're starting a movie with maybe an hour, 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Most movies are an hour and a half. So we watch them fragmented. But I always I have to take 10 minutes at the beginning of class when we go back to it to try to get them back in the state of mind that they were in when we were watching it, which, you know, how many people are doing that when they're watching it at home? So yeah. people might have rented Bloodshot, but the, it's still not they're not getting the whole experience that we did and uh again maybe they're lucky maybe they didn't see the trailer a dozen experience. times um, but this this feels like a netflix film to me as far as I'm concerned. this feels like one which could just drop on netflix and probably i say do better but maybe get better figures than it would have done i mean to be fair i mean there's a 45 million dollar budget at the time of it's um the coronavirus shutting everything down it made 30 million dollars so it was it was on course to overtake his budget and probably you know probably break even and do quite well whereas don't put on netflix more people who who maybe wouldn't have gone to see it will probably check it out if it was now that it's on streaming and i'm just looking at some of the behind the scenes there's there's eight production companies involved in this film which is never a good sign to see such a huge amount of production companies all with a vested interest in this film and what the killer the killer problem for this film was the screenplay was written by jeff wadlow the man behind Truth or Dare, Fantasy Island, Cry Wolf. He wrote a screenplay for this, so it's already doomed to fail, as far as I'm concerned, because that man is probably a really nice guy, but his recent output has been absolutely horrific. I mean, like, eye-gougingly horrific. So, um, yeah, yeah, Bloodshot for me was uh, the fact that they, the marketing started late for me, the, the team on board, the fact that there's so many production companies, I think maybe actually having it goes to streaming whilst you may not may not see the financial gain there may be more eyes on it now and if people were to like this film i mean it's got mixed mixed reviews i mean rotten tomatoes aside people online on socials i've seen half and half people seem to like it as a decent action film and others really don't like it so having it on streaming may open up to more eyes and if word of mouth was suddenly to catch fire then hell maybe they'll get their their next film however I'm certainly not going to rush out to watch it if they did. Agreed. So should we move on to number three? Let's do it. Uh, speaking of a film which, uh, well, a controversy of film which was going to be VOD wasn't taken from the cinema, we're talking about The Hunt, which has been listed as the most talked about film of the year, which you've never seen. Directed by Craig Zobel and starring Betty Gilpin, uh, Ike Barinholtz, Amy Madigan, Emma Roberts, Ethan Supley and Hilary Swank. Rotten Tomatoes, 55%, and a Metacritic score of 50%. Uh, And most people remember The Hunt for the film that was supposed to release in 2019, but it garnered just notoriety, and the the man in charge of the United States said some things about it. The studio cried, took it, and immediately pulled it. But then actually saw, well, hold on, hold on. We can use this as marketing collateral, which is what they've done. And all of the marketing is now about, you know, the film, the most controversial film of the of the last few years. The president of the United States himself pulled this. And as I mentioned, the most talked about film we've never seen. What it did do was put an awful lot of hype on this film because it, it kind of built itself up to be something bigger than maybe it is. And 
Um, for me, I I liked fifty percent of this film. I liked half of this film. Uh, the opening blast is great, and it really puts you on edge for what might happen. Um, there's some clever casting choices. I yes. will say that. Um, for me, it opens up like a angry, angry Hunger Games. You know, that's when I thought that's what I thought the vibe was going to be, which in in its own way is derivative. But you know, adult Hunger Games. We have other films like that, but. I, I like that. About halfway through, I started to lose interest or become less engaged, which is which is strange because the protagonist of the film really starts to come into themselves at that time, and I had no issues with that. I think Betty Gilpin was very good in this film. Actually, I I, I enjoyed her character in this, but as the explanation, like the convoluted explanation of why this hunt was going ahead, began, I became thinking, oh. Oh, you know the obvious metaphor for the haves and the haves not have nots works in parts, and it, it's an it's obviously the hunt is a satirical film. But this is what it lives and dies by. The for me though, the jabs it takes aren't as smart or as heavy as they think they are. I don't think there's satire and then there's kind of middle of the road satire that doesn't offer a stance. It says a lot but doesn't take a stance on something of like a firm viewpoint, and that's what I got from the hunt. And it, for me, it lost its way. Uh, Hilary Swank, when she turns up, is great, and her and Betty Gilpin have a really good scene together. I actually enjoyed that, but maybe I think maybe the hype got to me somewhat because I was expecting this to be uh, something else. Because I'd seen a lot of people say, saying when they went into this, they came out saying it's gory as hell, it's bloody as hell, it's violent. Don't get me wrong. If you're not, if you don't like gore and violence, and sometimes like OTT um, deaths, then you might not like the hunt. But I had seen like there was it was going to be this like, like wild wild roller coaster ride. I didn't think it was. It was it was okay. I like say I like fifty percent of it. I didn't hate it. I just didn't like love it. I I just thought it it was fine. So uh, the marketing was very good. Unlike the Bloodshot, who completely blundered their marketing, the hunt the marketing for that film really well done. But it didn't live up to that for me. It did get a theatrical release over here in United Kingdom. Did it get released over there in the States or did it drop straight on VOD? It, it did. Um, and then like the following week, they shut the theaters down. So like I, I literally – Bloodshot was the last movie I saw in theaters. Um, yeah, and I – I the only reason I did was because there was a uh, movie deal with Regal that if you saw um, Charlie's Angels, uh, Jumanji, um, Bad Boys for Life, and Bloodshot, you got all four digital copies for free. Nice. So I was like, well, I, I want I didn't know we were going to lose the theaters at the time, but I was like, well, I want to go ahead and check this off the list so I can, because I already saw the other three. I'll check. The, actually, I didn't see Charlie's Angels. I bought a ticket, never made it to go. So I, I, got, I actually just got my digital copy the other day. Um, I still haven't watched it yet, but um, so I, I went to see this first because it came out, I think, the same weekend as The Hunt. And then uh, I went to go see The Hunt and I didn't get to. Um, and uh, I like the next day, they shut the theaters down. Like I was like, I really want to go, but I was nervous about going. Cause like people were saying you shouldn't. And then I didn't. And then they shut the theaters down. I was like, Oh no. Um, so I had to rent it uh, on VOD. And I, the thing that disappoints me the most is I am a big fan of David, uh, Damon Lindelof. Yeah. yeah. Um, who wrote the screenplay with uh, Nick Cuse, who I think he writes on some other stuff and like HBO's Watchmen from this year that he wrote loved. I think it's a masterpiece. And that's kind of why I was surprised he wrote this because this feels like it's almost on the other side of the political spectrum because our protagonist is the right wing. And that was 
I actually went into this movie thinking it was going to be flipped that Betty Gilpin's character was going to be your liberal, you know, character and fighting against the rich right wing one percenters. And it's not that. And I was, uh, it's the other way around. And it's not the, the people in the hunger games type scenario are not one percenters, but they are the, uh, the conspiracy theorists. They're the, um, the ones calling the Democrats snowflakes. They are the ones, um, who are uh, supporting the 1% despite the fact that the 1% are the ones that are generally putting them in the positions that they're in. And the irony of that, of course, is lost on them. And that's the characters that you are rooting for, which was surprising. Um, that was not what I was expecting. And to be fair, the, the quote unquote liberals that are putting them in this position are not us either they are the hollywood types they are the, the the wealthy democrats who have um power and sway in some capacity um so it was not really th like there are political messages and commentary built into what's happening but not really like you know it's all superficial it's not um it's kind of more like stop stop saying we are these things or we'll become these things is essentially the message of the film and I don't think that's a spoiler, mind you. Um, it doesn't give you plot points. It just kind of gives you a general idea. And you, you see it in the trailer. Like, it doesn't take long to end up at the Hunger Games moments. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it's pretty quickly uh, there. There is some uh, some big names in this movie, and they're used creatively. Um, I think, you know, there's some interesting, uh, like, I, I'm, I'd like to hear the pitches for these, like, well-known actors to come <laughs> yeah. into this movie. Um Betty Gilpin is an actress I've been kind of rooting for for a while now. She keeps getting um, side character spots and sometimes very like um, not rewarding. Like in Stuber, she was the uh, the love interest of Kamel, but she's very underused there. I like Stuber, but only because I love Kamel so much. Um, and uh, she was in um, the uh, the rom com satire with. Um, rebel wilson last year she was the best friend character in that movie oh, um, um I, I can't even think isn't it romantic is that it yes that's the one yep i just think glow as well on netflix and she's that was the first time i encountered gilpin yes, I, think, was on glow, which I love the first season of glow i never made it to season two or three no, no nothing against the show i just never went back to it um i really really want to i just keep not doing it i probably should just throw it on when i'm working or something but um i like her a lot um hillary swank i actually uh, I, I'm a big Karate Kid fan, so like when the next Karate Kid came out, I was a fan of that too because it was on like Cinemax or whatever when I was a kid. So I would just watch it every time it was on, and a lot of times Cinemax would show like Karate Kid Part One, and then we'll show the next Karate Kid right after. So I would just watch it all the time. So that's really where I encountered Hillary Swank first. Most people know her from Million Dollar Baby, a movie Ooh. I still have not watched. Um, but that's what I think of, and so there is some. That when she you get to see her kind of training and it reminded me of the uh, next karate kid a lot um uh, yeah it, it was fine I, I i didn't dislike the movie i didn't love the movie it was just cool um i do think the first half is much more entertaining um and and then you get into it slows down and becomes a different movie in the second half and it it makes sense when it shifts um i think within the plot uh, because there are some major changes to what's happening at that point that you would have to, or you would just, it would become redundant at the same time. You know, like if it was just more of the same from the first half, it would just, okay, yeah, whatever. Kind of wrote themselves to, it almost wrote themselves to, into a corner that right, if they right. did do just angry hunger games, then 
it's a film we've seen before. If they did try for something different in the second half, which they did, but don't get it right, in, I mean, our, honestly, in my your opinion, then it I, kind of derails I, the film. I think if you were to put this beat to beat to the Hunger Games, though, the Hunger Games does the same thing. Because you have... A, when, when the stakes are people are going to die eventually you run out of people right because there's that's the whole point is like we're fighting to the end um battle royale which is the uh, i think it's a japanese film um yes which everyone blamed uh hunger games ripped it off and it, it did um very similar the first half is is you know boom it's bombastic when it starts but then you have to go into more of a cat and mouse type situation because there's less people and if everyone you know, if if you get a winner too fast, then it's a different movie too. You know, so but you can it, use your location, like they're, they're kind of almost in that one location. They don't ever really kind of leave that location. Whereas mm-hmm. when you start opening the world up, then it True. could work. But if it doesn't work for me, like it didn't in the hunt, then it just becomes a bit. Uh, I don't know, like the way things, the way the plot gets from A to B to C in that second half is. At times, it's a bit. I know plot okay. convenience is, is a is a thing, and it worked. But sometimes I just thought it it, know, it, it felt. It's one of those things where you kind of roll your eyes, like okay. Yeah. Uh, but it is. It's a satire, so maybe they shrug that off as their excuse. Yeah, of course, not, yeah. I'm not giving it to them. But you know, I think sometimes satire is like, well, it doesn't matter. It's a satire. You know, like it doesn't matter if it's uh, logical. It's a it's all a joke anyway. So it's like, well, that you can make really intelligent satire. Um, like, you just make a good film to start with, like, um, but the hunt was an okay film. But if, if your if if your film in itself is it is taken that standpoint, fine. But you've still got to have a, a fairly solid, you know, that screenplay or, or narrative rather than just relying on on that kind of. Whereas I agree with you. If you if you're relying on people just saying it's a satire, we'll, we'll, we'll overlook it. Then I don't think you've done your job as a as a, as a writer. Right, and uh, and again, especially when you look at the caliber of writer that Lindelof is, exactly uh, with Lost and Leftovers and Watchmen alone, like he's clearly got maybe a, a better knack for long form storytelling. Because um, if you look at his films, they're not all great, but his his TV series have been very very good. And granted, usually TV series you're, you're not alone. Um, I don't know how many writers he had with Watchmen, and I don't know how many writers he had with Lost. I know it was a lot for Lost, and some people will argue that Lost loses it later. I disagree. Um, you got to give season four a little bit of a leeway because the writer strike happened, but otherwise, like, I think Lost holds up very well. Um, but I, I guess that's it for the hunt. Uh, cause we've said everything and it's, it's fine. It's not, I wouldn't pay $20 for it. Yes. Nor would I pay $20 for bloodshot as a, alone. Like, um, to be fair, we go to the theater a lot, everyone. So obviously you're like, what? You pay money? You're right. But we pay a subscription fee for a unlimited pass. That's right. Yep. In that instance, that is... it's a great, the hunt is a great film to watch for right. an unlimited pass. And again, I don't mean to sound like I'm hating on it, but it's one of those films where if, you, if, you, if you're if you on the edge and you have one of these passes, go skip. Absolutely. If you, if we lived in a world where we could. I'd absolutely say go and see it. Six or if you're five. splitting it with like five or six people that you're all locked in, you know, not not going to someone's house, you're not supposed to be. Like if you live in a house with like five or six people and everybody wants to watch this movie, okay, 20 bucks split, six, you know, five ways is $4. $4 sure. pop, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's six and a half million dollars it made at the box office before it's going to be pulled from a $40 million budget. So whether it would have um, hit that or not, who knows? But yeah, I again, this film for me would... I think it again. I think it makes more success on streaming, and 
I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but Bloodshot on the Hunt for me are very much films which you put onto streamer services, but you push them. You know, you, you give them a bit of love rather than just dumping them, i.e. like Netflix does. But you give them a bit of love, give them a bit of attention, and then more and more eyes will see it. And again, you may word of mouth, maybe people will overlook more flaws because they haven't paid uh, to go and see it. You know, we'll see a monthly fee. So, uh, yeah, The Hunt was fine. Yeah, so let's go to our last movie of the month, um, is The Way Back, uh, directed by Gavin O'Connor, um, stars Ben Affleck, Al Madrigal, uh, Janina Gavagoboy, oh boy, um, Gavankar, uh, and I feel like there's probably some other people that show up, um, Michaela Watkins is a face you probably recognize, um, there's a lot of the kids that I don't think get enough credit on the on the credits. Like if like IMDb and stuff, they're like way down on the list. But Brandon Wilson is one of the important kids, um, and none of them have pictures because they're not they're all new actors. So I don't have like enough info here. But um, so the way back uh, is one of those. It, it clearly has like that inspirational type of vibe in the trailers and. Um, I gotta say, it takes a lot of shortcuts with the storytelling, and like, it it seems. Oh, I'm sorry. It has an 84 meta. Uh, sorry, 84 RT score, 68 meta score, and that's because it is you. You cannot watch this film and dislike it. I don't think. Um, because one, I I do like Affleck. I've always been kind of an Affleck supporter. I find him to be a a, a, a screen presence that I tend to like. Um. I, I think he's he's good. I don't necessarily think he's like the best actor, but I think he's always pretty solid. Even mm-hmm. in some of the bad movies, I think he's given pretty decent performances. Um, and I generally like him. And I, because of social media and the the thing we do, I was very aware of how his life kind of spiraled all of a sudden. You know, like you hadn't really heard about it. And then it was just suddenly he was like dropping out of the Justice League and he's he's suffering from alcoholism and him and garner divorce and it's just like wow his life is really like spiraled out of control so this movie is is not just a a guy playing a man who is you know losing everything and trying to build his way back this is affleck trying to build his way back as well so it's hard to watch this and not like it um i think affleck is very charming on screen um i think there's a lot to root for I love the passion that he shows for basketball, even if it, I don't know if Affleck is a big basketball fan, but I like basketball a lot. And as a teacher, I'm often drawn to movies like this, where it's like, you know, a person learning to be better because he suddenly cares about something. And that something is young kids who need that young kids who are in need of someone telling them they can be better than they are. And not, not in a negative way, in a positive way. Like you have the ability if you would only apply yourself and you will see your, your world improve greatly. And that's what these kids start to do. And so for me, all of those buttons are being clicked and I I found it very, very enjoyable yet as a film person, it was hard to not note major plot conveniences. And, um, if you don't know the premise of this film, uh, Ben Affleck's character, we, he's an alcoholic you don't fully know why. And I won't say because it is, they definitely build it to be a reveal, even though it's pretty, I felt like it was pretty obvious what was going to be the reveal. They don't outright just tell you why he's drinking like he is or why he's alone and blah, blah, blah. Like they really, again, I think that's another weak point of this film is like, they're acting like this is a new story. It's like, this is a story we've heard a thousand times. That's why it's so sad because we've heard the story before, except that, and don't try to make it like it's a big plot reveal that it happens. But also 
they treat alcoholism as though it is a minor inconvenience that you can just set aside whenever you're ready. <laughs> like, yes. Because he's like hardcore alcoholic. And then he's like, you know what? Not today. And it's, he's just done. I'm like, okay, I guess that's how that works. Um, can you know that? And it's true. Yeah. Apparently. I mean, maybe that's what Affleck learned in the 12 step program. I mean, um, you know, and, and there's issues I think with like, they introduce a lot that never really goes anywhere. And I, I, I'm okay with some of that. There's some silly moments that happen later. Like the, it's a very cliche film in a lot of ways. The things you expect to happen to someone who's fighting alcoholism happen, but they don't happen in any kind of cohesive way. But there is something about this film that I, I can't, I'm even looking at like the other film reviewers on letterbox. It's mostly positive. Um, and it's because I, th- I think it's heavily because of Affleck. I think it, it's, there's, there's an earnestness to this performance that is hard to deny. He's clearly working. He's letting us see him working through what he's working through. And in a way, I feel like asking for us to forgive him, even if he didn't necessarily do anything to us, but you know, I guess maybe there's that when you have a persona, when people look up to you and you fall, you maybe feel guilty about it. And I I don't know. I, I enjoyed this movie um i think there are better versions of this film out there i would even argue that maybe mighty ducks is a better version of this film um it's not so much alcoholism but i think bombay was implied that he was a bit of an alcoholic but it was a disney movie so they just like pushed that away but um i I like a redemption story man and uh it worked for me because of that uh what do you think i'm glad you mentioned mighty ducks because i was gonna say the same too it had that because it felt uh, part like this could be a disney film at some parts of the film and at others I felt it felt like it was trying to be something else. I liked the way back. I didn't think I didn't love the film. This hasn't been my favorite month for films. I liked it. I just think it could have been more for pretty much what you've touched upon. Basically it gets the film gets where it needs to be. The moments that you want to see, you get to see them. You know, you get those moments you, you expect to see in these films, but I don't, for me, I don't think they're delivered with the right gusto. It was a bit by numbers. It was kind of like almost like box checking at times. Like you want to see this happen, get to see this happen. You want to see this bit happen. You want to see them get to here. Great, because we're gonna do it. Um, the, the his like um Jack's Ben Affleck's character, Jack, his coaching and what comes after just seems to kind of just fall into place without any real reason. I don't think you ever see Jack being a good coach. I don't think anyway. It's kind of it's, for me. It's very just very quick. You know, like you said, at one point an alcoholic. Counting thirty beer cans in a fridge, which was a, you know, quite a challenging scene. Actually, it's a great scene. Um, and then the next year, a coach, and you kind of shouting at people, and suddenly they're winning games all of a sudden. Um, I I don't really think the players were given that much depth. Everything just kind of happens, and then that's yeah. that's it. Do you know what I mean? Janina Gavanka was underused. I think she had a bit of a hapless task in this film, and I like Janina Gavanka. Um, uh, I mean. Ben Affleck, blind spotting, blind spot. Yep, get that in there. And and Battlefront too. Uh, ben Affleck, yeah, like you mentioned, he's been embracing sobriety. So yeah, obviously big respect for that. And this was intentionally, unintentionally, a vehicle for him. It, uh, I think I read him read him say that this was this was like therapy almost for him because he was almost acting out his own demons via this character and was able to express them, which is great to actually great to read. But this is a vehicle for him, whether it's meant to be or not. Um, 
because without his understated performance, very good performance, do you know what? I think the movie falls quite hard, actually. I think without Ben Affleck leading this film, I think it's a by-numbers sports redemption flick, yeah. I think. And I think his personal story adds a lot to it being exactly um, it. so compelling. And the fact that it's Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck just seems like a you know, generally decent guy. You kind of root for him. Uh, you mentioned Ben Affleck. I wanted to, as soon as you mentioned this, I was like, right, I've got to ask you. I've got to put you on the spot. You mentioned Ben Affleck. He, he he's a solid actor. You know, he, he gives a good performance in each role. In each role, I'm going to ask you the question now: Who's a better actor, Ben Affleck, Casey Affleck? Who wins? I think um, I think Casey's a better actor uh, overall, to be honest. Um, or at least maybe the movies he's done, I find to be more impactful. I I do think Ben is a little more versatile um because when i think of casey i think of kind of dour and um like uh regaining confidence like he, there's a confidence there but it, it's like it's gone you know what i mean like he's lost it like, like manchester by the sea um gone uh not gone gone baby gone is that the yeah. one where he's the detective yeah, yeah i really i really like that movie a lot and i i love a ghost story but he's not really visible for most of the movie, so yeah. to be fair. Right? But um, I think Affleck, I think Ben is a little more versatile because um, he's done. I know him from Mallrats. That's where I grew up, an Affleck fan because of Mallrats, and and then like Dogma, same you know crazy like over the top comedy um, in Chasing Amy. You know I love Chasing Amy, and his performance in that is a little more dramatic, but there's humor there. And then um, you you look at. Uh, you know, Daredevil and Batman, obviously he's done the comic book films. He's done, um, uh, the town is excellent. Uh, really, really like that. He's also, I think he's a really solid director. I think Argo is good. I think the town is great. Um, I didn't see the, the Louisiana gangster movie live something by night, live by night, something like that. I think he, that was his last directing job. I think, uh, I never saw that one. So, but I, I think I like Casey a little more, I don't know. I do like both to be, to be completely honest. And I, I've missed some of Casey's other movies. Yeah. I've missed like, uh, I haven't seen the, out, uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the outlaw, exactly whatever that, that long title is. I've heard really good things about, I own that movie. Still have not watched it. I want to, I just, again, I own a lot of movies. I haven't watched listeners. So don't, don't take that as a slight to that specific Every one. show. Yeah. Um, well, we, uh, a film, yeah. a film will get mentioned. That's in John's collection, which has been gathering dust for a decade. And he still hasn't taken out of the, cellophane wrapping uh, i i think casey's a better actor but uh, like you i'd like to see him in different roles and i don't mean kind of like bloodshot type roles but just a bit, a bit different but then again he excels at the, the role he's an academy award winner he excels in those roles so maybe those those sort of dramatic highly dramatic roles work best for him and they both have like baggage but casey's baggage has been much more negative where affleck's baggage was like self-inflicted I hurt myself where Casey's been accused of being like a jerk. And like, uh, there was a whole like he sexual harassment type thing. It wasn't a full on harassment, but it was definitely not okay. Kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not as bad as like, it wasn't career damning, like a, like Kevin Spacey or a Louis CK kind of thing, but still like, you haven't really heard that about Ben. Right. You have about Casey and Casey kind of comes off as a bit of a dick, to be honest, where Ben comes off as kind of like a frat guy but a cool frat guy like you know he's a little bit like cocky but he would be cool with everybody anyways yeah, you yeah. know that's the vibe i've always got from ben he like kind of go out of his way he, just to at least make you feel welcome if you're in his presence whereas casey affleck 
I agree. Right. He's, he kind of he's he, to me he looks he is to some of the characters he plays and it isn't a bad thing because I mean not everybody is open and upfront of people and some people just want everyone sure. to, to get lost. But um, I guess when you but it's hard to say though when you're in the public eye should you make more of an effort? I mean it's not for me to say, but I agree with your assessment that Ben Affleck out of the two of them, if you're going to sit down and you had to have a beer with one of them, I would though I would pick Ben Affleck. Me too, for sure. I think it would be a much more fun time. Uh, not. Obviously, right now, it probably wouldn't be cool to have a beer with Ben Absolutely Affleck, but, not. you know, <laughs> maybe a tea, a coffee, um, I'd be down. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll add that as well, yeah, I didn't think about that. Um, the Way Back, uh, I would say overall for the month, though, um, Onward and The Way Back are the, the standouts in a positive way. I think Onward is by far the best, um, but The Way Back? I was surprised at how much I liked The Way Back because I honestly was like writing it off as a, a cheesy movie from the trailer. And it, the cheese that's there was delicious and it worked for me very yeah, well. I, so I don't, I don't really like cheese in any way, shape or form. I like a cheesy film, but I'm not a massive fan of cheese in itself. However, if I go keto, I'll have to make sure I am. But yeah, I, I agree. Onward was the best film of the month so for me. The Way Back, I didn't think it was a bad film. Don't get me wrong. I thought, you know, I enjoyed watching it. But like you said, once you strip, once you get past the kind of feel good factor and like the punch in the air redemption arc, you do kind of you you can quite easily look at it and think, right, well that that was you know that was always going to happen. Oh look, we got that scene. We it, it, it cliche and convention again came into it, but as a film, yeah, man, absolutely check it out if if anyone gets a chance to watch it, check it out because if you especially if you like a sports redemption film, uh, I definitely recommend it. But yeah, uh, for me, it was too good, too bad this month. Well, two good, one bad, one not, one was fine. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's real quick. What we like to go over anything else we watched for the month. Um. We just kind of run these down real quick. We don't read off all the stats or anything. But um, everything here I've watched is actually two um our Netflix movies. Uh, and one is a VOD release that I I actually will spend an extra moment on just because I don't think people have heard about it. Um. I finally watched Horse Girl which is the Alison Brie written film um, on Netflix. Uh, it's super weird. Um, if you like me and the podcast that we do, uh, Corey and I are going to be doing an episode on Horse Girl for Movie Club, um, which is why I watched it finally. But I am an Alison Brie fan, and they did just add Community to uh, Netflix. So if you haven't seen the six seasons of Community, the first four are amazing, and then you should just finish it because you've committed the four seasons. So... um. I uh I watched All the Bright Places, which um is a movie that I want to if you watch it and enjoy it at all, you need to watch the director's other two films. Uh Brett Haley is the director. He directed Heartsbeat Loud, which is one of my favorite films in the last decade. Um and he also directed The Hero with Sam Elliott, which I adore. Um I don't know if they'll work for everyone. They are they're actually different in a lot of ways, but what he is able to do is take what should be sad situations and and they are at times they are genuinely sad he does not make fun of them but he somehow manages to pull out the silver lining of those situations that yes this is hard yes this is tough but look what good can still come from this and right now i think that is what we need i i honestly think he's one of the most optimistic directors working today and he's not not dealing with schlock he's not making movies about 
optimistic things. He's making movies about real problems, but reminding us that that doesn't mean it's the end of the world, that there's still stuff worth living for. And I think that is a really cool message he's able to to put into all three of those films. And they're very, very different. The All, all the Bright Places is a young adult novel adaptation, but it does have the terrific Elle Fanning and the apparently controversial Justice Smith. Not everybody likes him. I, I, I'm actually kind of a fan. Ambivalent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in Fallen Kingdom, which a lot of people hated. He's in Pikachu, uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, whatever the full uh, title is, Detective Pikachu, um, which, yeah, I like him there. And then uh, he's in Paper Towns. I like him there. I like him in this movie. Um, I think this is definitely worth uh, your time on Netflix. And then the last one I will spend a little more time on, if that's okay, Matt. Um, I watched this movie called Banana Split. Uh, it is on VOD. Um, it has a 66 meta score at a 5.9 IMDb user score. I think that's insane. I don't know what people are watching. I thought this was great. Um, the worst part of it is Dylan Sprouse, and he's not bad. He's just like you could do without him because it's really about uh, this friendship with uh, this girl, April and Clara. April is Hannah Marks. That's the actress's name, and she also co-wrote the script. And it's um, it's a freaking good comedy it's one of the funniest movies i've watched this year for sure i really like the performances um it's a it's like a it kind of falls into empire records or um uh uh, can't hardly wait type movie where it's like you get why some people won't like it but if you're into that type of humor and that high school kind of coming of age end of the high school year type movie i think this movie works really well um i i actually watched it oh um, I'm a big Friends fan. I think a lot of people know that about me at this point. Um, but uh, in that series, Ross has his ex-wife and his ex-wife marries a woman. And that woman's name is Susan on the show. The actress that plays Susan is Jessica Hesch. Um, and she is uh, the mother of the char- the main character in this movie. Um, and also named Susan, which I thought was really cool. But some of my favorite scenes in this movie are at the dinner table. with um, It's her younger sister, uh, the mother and her, and they're just, it's so funny, the interaction between the three of them. I i really enjoyed those scenes. I thought it was a lot of fun. If you're looking for a comedy, you don't mind a little bit of cursing. And there is sexuality. I don't think there was any nudity, but there is like some blatant sexuality built into the film. Uh, it's a coming of age story that's bound to happen. Um, and yeah, again, not a criticism to Dylan Sprouse. I do think Cole Sprouse is a better actor. Dylan's fine here he's he's kind of a minor character but uh i i think if you have the opportunity to see banana split i say check it out the fun thing is when he said uh, banana split I, I was i was confused by which film he meant because there was a horror film that came out yeah. recently called the banana splits movie the banana splits. and uh, i was like right is that and as soon as he started talking about um dylan sprouse and comedy i was like this was a, like a weird kind of like messed up horror film like bizarre horror film uh it turns out i was thinking about a completely different film so um Yes, and should be noted, this is Banana Split. Uh, it's If you look it up on IMDb, it's 2018, but it just came out on VOD because it did the festival circuit, so the release date is off a little. Um, I think the VOD release was like March 27th, um, and I, I watched it on a screener. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed it, and I, I encourage people to seek it out. You can get it on um, you know, Vudu or iTunes or Amazon Prime, that kind of thing. Uh, not free with with the subscription, but with the uh, the rental fees. Uh, okay, out of those three films, if I was going to watch one tonight after the show, which one would you say? Um, of the three, I would say Banana Split. That's the one I enjoyed the most. Uh, and that's I enjoyed um, All the Bright Places. 
I'm still not sure where I fall with Horse Girl just yet. Um, it's super weird. <laughs> like, uh, but it's weird by design. That's definitely what it's going for. But um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if I like that or not. So, okay, cool. I, I only saw one as an extra uh, for for many different reasons. Because, but a lot of it is because uh, a lot of the stuff like we've mentioned on other shows. When I go onto Netflix, it's not often a film is on there. Which is which is marketed for me. I mean, you get recommended films, but they disappear within like thirty minutes. You go back again; it's not there anymore. You have to really dig or rely on word of mouth or social media. Uh, and for this film, I did actually. JB turned me on to this film, but I had seen it online. But it was John's recommendation in one of the last shows we did, which made which made me sort of sit down and watch it straight away after that um, that recording. We finished recording about half past eleven p.m. my time. This film was an hour and a half, and I thought, uh, I'll go on, I'll, I'll, I'll chance it now, I'll put it on. It's on Netflix, it's called The Platform. It's a Spanish film, Spanish horror film. Um, it's a sci-fi horror thriller film. I thought I'd give it a go. I've heard a lot of things about it, and I'm a big fan of international horror, or international just international films, or as we call them, film. It's from a different country. Big fan of it, especially the Spanish horror. I'm a big fan of those. Uh, this one's directed by uh, Golda Gaztello Arufia. Um, I I know JB hasn't seen this, and I know it's on his watch list. So, and we don't do spoilers anyway, so I won't say too much about it. But it is it's an odd film. It's got a big old message in it. We're talking about the haves and the have nots. There's a you know there are big messages in this film. Basically, it, it at the top of at the top is a uh, reside these you know the upper class. You know they eat well, they live well. And their cast-offs, the food, the drink, gets this. it descends on a platform down various levels where people are people are kept in twos, so two people per level. And uh, you basically, you're in there for a, a set amount of time. Um, and every month or so, or every week, I think it was, sorry, I think it was every week, uh, after a certain amount of time, you change levels. You either go up or you go down, and then, of course, that then changes your dynamic within the platform. It is a, it's a fun, it's a strange film. Obviously, I'm, I, I it may be because it's late when I watched it, but I took it, I struggled to take it all in. The end, the actual ending of it, but I wasn't a fan of the ending. Again, not going to say why, wasn't a fan of the ending. But the, as for the rest of it, uh, it was an intriguing film. It was it was an engaging film. It's not an exciting film. It's not a film which is gonna, it's not gonna get your pulse racing or you know, it's, it's not. It grabbed me more because I was like, what is actually going on here? Or where is this going to go? Rather than oh, I'm hooked in this film. Um, Ivan Masage, who, who's a lead, is, does a really good job in this film as leading this film. But it's it's not the best Spanish horror film I've seen. Here's that, here's that phrase again. It's very much a Netflix film for me. I, I liked it. I, I wanted more from it. If you don't like gore, you there are scenes in this which are very gory. Um, there are scenes in this which are very good, as others which aren't great. But overall, I'd recommend watching it. But if you like sort of like weird, slower international horror films, you're going to dig the platform. If you don't like weird horror, you're not going to like the platform. Uh, if you don't like horror, I think you like the platform. The messages are potent. You know, the message is very, very uh, in your face. It's not subtle. Um, but you know, I, I I enjoyed it. But it's not it's not a film I'm going to rush back to watch anytime soon if at all not because i hated it but you know it's a one and done for me so for me the only film i saw other than our big four was the platform and that was only available on streaming and going forward that may be our best bet
Yep. And that's what we'll end with uh, for April, since there's not going to be any theatrical releases. We are going to be looking for um, more streaming releases, and Netflix is going to be the home for that more than anything else, just because they have a lot of originals coming out. It seems like Prime and Hulu, if they have them, they're not doing a good job of letting us know. Now, there's still some uh, theatrical, quote-unquote, theatrical releases that are going to be on VOD at that $20 price point. But, you know, the job market's unstable. We're not sure how much money we want to drop on stuff like that just yet. So we're we're still in the uh, ups and downs. So I we've we've picked about six movies right now that we're going to end up choosing four um, based on how it, the availability for us to watch them and stuff. But we would like if there's a streaming movie that you know of and you want to hit us up on social media, I think that's a good place for this. Um, you can hit us up on Instagram um, at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod and on Twitter. At BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And Matt, where can they follow you on the internet? Uh, they can follow me, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. That's the home of the home of me, basically. Uh, on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram, what I watch tonight. And on Letterboxd is uh, at W-I-W-T. And they can follow me at BurkeReviews.com, B-E-R-K Reviews.com. And Burke Reviews on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. It's all the same. Um, and that's where you get your bloody awesome movie podcast every month. Uh, if you like what we're doing, please rate and review us. It helps us to get new listeners, share it, retweet, do whatever you can to help support us. We are grateful for all of you that listen. Um, we hope you're staying safe in this scary time. Uh, March was a weird month. April is going to be even weirder to talk back about as we look, um, you know, we're recording this the first week of April. So when May hits, we're going to be looking back going, Oh man, or Oh man, hopefully the first, um, <laughs> hopefully we'll the see first. how it's going. Uh, but otherwise, um, I think that's it for this episode. Matt, what did you got to say? I'm just going to tell everyone, stay safe, but still, keep it bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bloody, blood, blood, bloody, blood, blood, bloody,